Church, I hope this message finds you well, blessed, feeling hopeful, and not fearful. If you're like me, you've been walking through a lot of grocery stores lately with shelves that are empty all the way down the aisle. Or perhaps you also have been talking to family and friends who are laid off, or their job is on hold, or their income has stopped coming in. I've been having the privilege of hearing uh, people donating kind of behind the scenes to homeless, to feed the homeless, to deliver care packages of food to friends and neighbors in need. And so I'm seeing both things that are lacking, but I'm also seeing abundance and I'm seeing people rise up. And uh, it's both scary and beautiful and I think unique in the opportunity we have to see some things and possibly experience some things and maybe even learn some things that we've never learned quite in this way before. So that's what God's been driving home with me, the thought of the word hunger. And what can we learn about physical hunger or about spiritual hunger now during this time that we might not see as clearly some other time? And if there are things that we get shaped by now who could we be after this passes? What will the Christian church look like as it arises from its lockdown state, its restricted state that it's currently in? And so I had three short scriptures I wanted to share with you, talking about physical hunger and talking about spiritual hunger. And I want us to think, myself included, what is it that we can learn from this? How will God shape and mold us? And what might he do in the world in a great way, in a positive way, as a result of having gone through this struggle together. So when it comes to the physical food, the physical hunger, I think that's a simple answer. It's just short and sweet. First John 3, um, starting with verse 16, says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him. Dear children, let us love not with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know the love of God dwells within us. So the short answer to what can we learn about this physical hunger is that for us as Christians, we're not supposed to let anyone go hungry. If we know of people that are hungry, physically hungry, we're supposed to meet that need. And right now, with people out of work, you may know the single parent who works two part-time jobs that both have shut down. It's your responsibility to help meet that need. Because if you have material possessions and see someone in need but don't meet that need, how can the love of Christ be in us who's willing to sacrifice everything? If we take money out of our savings accounts, if we take a part of our own grocery money and give it away, give a gift card, drop a bag of food on someone's doorstep, deliver bag lunches to the homeless, that's what Christians are supposed to be doing right now to meet the physical needs. It's just simple. That's our mission. Christians are supposed to rise up. This is what we do. So let's do it. But the lesson, think about what it could look like after this whole coronavirus thing has its life cycle, no matter how short or long it is. What would it look like if Christians always acted this way? If no one that the Christian knew in that community was allowed to just go hungry? What if more money was spent in the future on feeding the hungry and providing resources for them to sustain feeding themselves in the future? What if more money was poured into that than the facilities of the church building? What if that's a lesson we learn about what it means to have the love of Christ? 
what will we experience now that we can carry forward? So I think with the hunger thing, it's just simple. You might not be able to have someone in your home right now, but after this passes, after the curve flattens out and we continue life and whatever it looks like, who will you share your food with? Who needs food? Who needs those gift cards? Who needs to come and just join you for a meal and eat some of the food that you're already providing, which is probably just gonna sit in your fridge as leftovers and then be thrown out? Like who can we give food to? We're just not supposed to let people go hungry. And hopefully right now that's being driven home for ourselves. So as we're stockpiling food or for those that don't have any food or are desperate, I think there's something that we can take that could really revolutionize what Christianity and the church look like after. So please don't miss the opportunity to learn and be changed and indelibly impacted with this lesson for later, now and forever. The second part of it, though, is that we're not just physical beings, right? The bodies come, they go, they live, they die. None of us as believers should be worried about dying because it's going to happen, and when it happens, it's going to be a good thing for us. We're going to go home to be with the Lord. So we don't have a fear of death, and we never know when it's coming anyway. So we're supposed to just live with hope. So the physical comes and goes, but the more important is the spiritual. And so it made me think of Isaiah 55. I just want to read a couple of verses from that. God says to his people, people of Israel, same thing as people of Christ now, God's people. God says, come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Why spend money on which is not bread, that which is not bread? And your labor on that which does not satisfy. Listen, listen to me, God says, and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. I think God, rightly so, should be asking the Christian church around the world, why are you spending your money and your time and eating things which don't actually satisfy? Why are you settling for substitutes of a relationship with God instead of just a relationship with God? Why do we go to Bible studies instead of just studying our Bibles? Why do we go to worship services instead of living lives filled with worship? Why do we content ourselves with being part of a church, you know, fill in the blank, whatever the church name might be, instead of living as the church? A lot of times we settle for spiritual substitutes, but they're not actually the real thing. So the danger is we might keep ourselves sort of non-hungry, for our entire lives and then see God face to face and he's like, well, you went to a lot of group meetings. I think that's good. You tried not to do bad things. That's good. But what about me and you? What about your soul? What about just kneeling before me and saying, please forgive me of all my sins? What about that? So think about this right now. Some of those things have been removed from us. The restrictions have pretty much cut down our Sunday morning worship services, our Wednesday evening Bible studies, our small groups, all those things which may, for some of us, have actually been a poor substitute for the real thing. Let's just ask ourselves now, left on our own, in our own homes, are we singing? Are we worshiping? Are we praying? Are we on our knees confessing? Are we sharing? Are we reading our Bibles? Are we on the phone with other Christians having spiritual dialogue and conversation? Because if we're not doing any of those things, then be careful because you might just be attending events where other people are doing those things and you're just along for the ride. I'm just along for the ride. This is a chance for us to see what is our hunger for God really look like? What if we've been hungry for being part of the next 
program, the next campaign? What if we've been hungry to, to graduate the seminary class that we've been in or get that degree or that discipleship program to complete it? What if we've been hungry for things that are after the first thing, which is just a connection with God and talking with Him through His Holy Spirit because Jesus opens up the curtain? What about that? And what if in this season where all those poor substitutes are taken away, what if a hunger in us grows for real worship? What if a hunger in us grows for real fellowship? Not just, oh, I see you every Sunday and so it kind of reminds me I'm part of a church and I see you for five minutes. Hey, how you doing? How's work? I'll pray for you. What if we really want to be known? Because right now we feel alone. What if we really want koinonia, not just Sunday morning socializing? What if that hunger in us grows? to really dig into the Word, to really sing with abandon. I think that's a good thing. I think that's the kind of hunger that we should be fostering, that we should be fanning into flame. Because imagine if we learn the lesson now for the things that actually satisfy, and if we grow close to God now, what will church services on a Sunday morning look like if it's filled, packed to the brim with people that are excited to be there and to worship? What if you join people in this building, whether it's a school auditorium or a local church facility, and you're like, oh, welcome everybody. This is the moment we've been waiting for. When's the last time you said that on a Sunday morning? This is the moment we've been waiting for. Instead of, oh, Sunday, gotta go to church again. Come on, everybody, come on, kids, get your clothes on, fight your way to a church service, sit through it distracted and tired and go home. Maybe that's hungering after bread that's not bread. God says we don't have to pay for this. It's free, but we've got to seek after it. What if being restricted from proximity with each other is the best thing that ever happened to our faith? The most powerful thing that ever happened to our worship. The most profound thing that ever happened to our church budgets when we reprioritize as we gather together again. I think it could be awesome. So I don't want us to miss the chance to learn during this season of restriction, of sickness, of fear. There are things that we might be able to see now and experientially learn that transform the kingdom and our impact in the world afterwards. And so it brings me to the third passage I wanted to read. This is Jesus. This is a promise. It's one of the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, to be right with God, to be filled with God's righteousness through Christ, to live rightly, to love righteous things, to connect with a righteous God, to live as righteous people, to be given by grace undeservedly righteousness that we can pour out on the world around us. The promise is they will be filled, those who have that hunger. And so I think God can use all things, right? He works all things together for good. So this is not a good time that's happening to our world right now. It's a dangerous time. It's an unknown time. But God can even use this for good. If we'll have eyes to see and ears to hear and minds to absorb what it is that he might be saying to his church. What's real? What's not? 
think it could be profound, the impact that we have in the world. So quite simply, I just ask each of us as followers of God, as followers of Jesus, for the physical side of things, don't let anyone go hungry. Just don't do it. Don't let it happen on your watch. And you and I don't have to single-handedly be responsible for everything, but we all have to do something because collectively, we've got it covered. God will provide seed to the sower. So don't let people go hungry who need food. But spiritually, I say fan into flame that hunger. Get as hungry as you can. Fuel that hunger. Drive it. Motivate it. Pray for hunger. And it'll be sort of like everybody's getting antsy with this beautiful, joyful righteousness and desire. And then at some point, government restrictions, town restrictions, gathering restrictions will be lifted and it'll be like loosing all these Christians on the world. I want the world to see God's love then. So let's live it out now in hope. Let's learn what we can learn right now. Let's be wise, but not worried. And let's see what God can do with this with his church, how he transforms us, how he makes even something like this work out for the good, not just of his people, but through his people for the entire world. May God bless you during this season of hunger.